When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy brought to you by the State Again Network. With me is my co-host, Zach Alfers. I'm Tyler Lawrence. Training camp is ongoing, man. How, how are things going out in the Bay Area right now? Well, um, the Bay Area is the Bay Area. It, you can never tell if it's going to be a hot day or a cold day. It always kind of looks the same, and then it's 50-50 what you get. Today, it, the smoke is coming in from all those wildfires, so it was oh, actually yeah. even harder to predict today. So it, it's just been hazy, but actually pretty hot. Um the, the cloud covers out, but yeah, the sun's pretty hot. It's been awesome weather today. It's been kind of like overcast. It's been super cool. I got to go to training camp today for the first time, which was stoked. I was stoked about. You know, I can't remember ever going to training camp like in high school and it not being like 100 degrees outside when I was practicing. So like today we're in Costa Mesa and it's easy, breezy, 75 degrees. Man, what what's some weather to like practice in? It was awesome. I feel like it almost makes us, you know, weaker as a, a football team because <laughs> what are we going to be playing in December and January when the, they matter, you know, in like the Foxboroughs, the the Lambos, yeah. where the, the icy tundra. So I feel like we get, you know, it, it might, I don't know, I'm just probably reading into it a little too much, but uh, I think we are definitely spoiled with the weather out here in Southern California. We're definitely, definitely very, very spoiled. I got to meet up with Dan Wolkenstein and Jake Hafner of the Chargers Unleashed podcast. Uh, I even got to meet Tyler Schoon in person for the first time of the Guilty as Charged podcast. So all of us were sitting together. Uh, I bought one of those retro bags that has some of the old gear inside of it. Uh, I got a J.J. Jones jersey in it. I ended up just handing it to the kid in front of me. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with a J.J. Jones jersey. Uh, but I, I kind of just threw it to this kid. I made his day. Uh, and then I got like five different polos inside of that thing, which was interesting. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. Maybe I'll just hand them out to some random fans on the podcast uh, or whatnot. I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. Uh, I got large because I typically wear a large in all my clothing, but all the Charger stuff tends to run a little bit big, man. Yeah, jerseys in particular. But um, you gotta always have to... I think you could rock something too big, but too small, you kind of have to throw it yeah. out. So. Yeah. So a couple of notes from training camp today. Austin Prohl looks awesome. I only hear his name. It feels like it's it's the Austin Prohl camp over there in Costa he, Mesa. He definitely had like five or six catches, and he was the only one really doing anything. Jalen Guyton was out. Uh, he was there. He practiced kind of, but he was mostly off on the opposite field. Uh, just kind of getting back into shape, I guess. And then there was a couple other guys that are out. No big injuries. 
uh, Brian Bulaga uh, got blown up by Joey Bosa right in front of me. That was uh, that was intense to see, man. <laughs> I, I heard about it all day, and then I just saw the video. Um, everything it was talked about, like yeah, Bosa just definitely got him off that balance. Got him yeah. off balance. Uh, I got to see in person for the first time a, a Derwin James interception on Keenan Allen. Oh, you, nice. So that was pretty cool. Uh, it was a lot of backups today, man. So it it looked like they were going in between series. So what they would do is they would do like five minutes of like scrimmage, jump into some sort of kicking, but back to five minutes of scrimmage, back to kicking. And the starters were only out on the field for like four plays. And then they had the, the backups come in for most of the time, which – wasn't super exciting me going to camp to go and see that, but I I'm anticipating that what they're trying to do is try to get the rotations together for the scrimmage on Sunday. So if you guys don't know, uh, Fan Fest, the Chargers are going to be scrimmaging themselves, and I think I, I think that they're just trying to get guys together to figure out who's going to be you know running what teams. Uh, you know you got Austin Prohl who is running with the ones for most of the the, the practice. But then you got other guys like Jason Moore, uh, you know, some of the backups, Storm Norton, some of the those types of guys. And it looks like they're trying to get them situated to figure out what are the rotations going to be like for that scrimmage. And they have the next two practices to do so. So that's what it seems like they were doing. They had a small little kicking competition. Michael Badgley and uh, not Alex Kassman, Tristan Vizcano were the only ones that did any sort of field goals. Uh, both of them went four for five. Uh, Badgley missed one from 33, which is a rarity, but he did hit one from 50, which is enticing. And then one of the things that I hated the most about the practice is how it ended. It ended on a Tristan Vizcano kicked into the bleachers, basically. And it was the last kick of the series. And they let them end on that. Like, there's no way if I'm a head coach, like, no, 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 we're going to do this again. That's even if I'm just getting Justin Herbert to kick a field goal, like we're going to have some fun with it or we're going to fix it. Uh, so that was not very exciting to see in person. And, it, you know, whenever you have a kick like that, it tends to be on the holder. When you're kicking things into the bleachers, that, that's typically a holder issue. But something we need to get fixed. And then uh, Tai Long definitely has the punter job on lock. Uh, Austin Pro looks like he is the top on the depth chart as punt returner. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Besides Pro, because I feel like that's the the easy answer and has probably been the answer for every day of camp. But who besides Pro was your MVP of today's pra- practice session? So it was definitely Austin Pro with where we were sitting kind of in the bleachers. We just had the wide receivers in front of us. So I didn't get to really look too much at uh linebackers running with running backs on the opposite side of the field because it's just hard for me to see that uh, but you do get to see the matchups I would say Asante Samuel Jr. matched up very very well multiple times I mean think about Donald Parham Donald Parham is 6'8 he's a huge human being giant and then you got little Asante Samuel Jr. who's only 5'10 getting PBUs deep in the deep part of the field so he definitely had a good day. He had probably like three or four pass breakups. Uh, he should have nearly gotten an interception. He was just, he was explosive in and out of his breaks, breaking on the ball. Uh, he definitely had a good day. 
Uh, one of the things that I noticed, Mike Williams, he's such a bad route runner, man. <laughs> it's it's incredible, and it's it's his size, right? But one of the things that I noticed was in the beginning they start stretching. This guy is not flexible at no. all, and that directly correlates number one to injuries, right? But your ability to be loose really affects your route running as well. And if I would have like been able to have seen this as like a coach, you know, in the off season, I, I would very much be stressing like, yo, get with your trainers. Let's, let's get you stretching. Let's get you some flexibility because it really does help with the injuries and it really does help you be loose with your route running. Well, I remember uh, like receivers back in the day, like o- Chad Ocho Cinco, and they used to do like ballet in the off season to work on their flexibility and stuff. Maybe, maybe not that extreme, but maybe some yoga for the guy would be nice. Yoga actually is a, is a big thing with being flexible. Like, you know, I was watching Keenan Allen stretch and this guy, I swear he could do the splits, dude. Like, And it's, it's interesting to see everybody seems flexible, some sort of flexibility as a professional athlete. That's typically something you, you have, whether you're playing football whether you're, you're a basketball player, it doesn't really matter. Flexibility tends to be uh, a common theme because athletes work so hard because it helps them stay healthy, right? You're not pulling hamstrings or anything like that. So that was something I noticed. Plus, man, he just seems like he's going through the motions when he's running routes, uh, especially like in the just the one-on-one drills, not, not the one-on drills, but the, you know, you're just running against air kind of thing. I'm not very much impressed with him. I am impressed with Josh Palmer. He looks super fit, dude. Uh, He looks good. He looks really, really good. He looks good in his route running. I'm about 90% positive that he's going to replace Mike Williams next year. And it's not like I got to see him do a whole lot today, right? Uh, I didn't really get a chance to see him in any one-on-ones very closely. But you just look at the size of him. He is like thick but at the same time it's all like compact right it's like all this compact muscle all over his body uh he's definitely a physical specimen and i'm excited to see his potential and his development over the course of the year yeah well and i think we all kind of thought that he could develop into it but it's another thing entirely that he's out there performing showing those traits that we thought that he might have but he's at they're evident now after just a couple of weeks of training camp. It's awesome yeah. to see. And I think, I think just for me getting into camp, Brandon Staley is as advertised. We've been talking about it all you know, off season long that we're very excited about. I, I feel like we're very excited about chargers training camp every year, but I don't know something about this training camp is just being run differently. And I think it has everything to do with the head man in charge, Brandon Staley. Yeah, and it's definitely fun to watch. Uh, their practices are very short. There's not very much contact. I'm hoping that they start to pick it up here once these uh, preseason battles start mm-hmm. happening, once we start playing some some physical games, because there's like almost no contact. And I still feel like you need some contact. Granted, we want to emphasize health of the players, but this is training camp. Yeah. And we should we should be getting players' bodies ready for contact, right? That was one of the issues we had early last year was there was very little contact. And you would think that we should have gotten into the season pretty healthy, but it just doesn't seem maybe we're 
planning on picking it up after the first game and we start, you know, doing some tackling drills, things like that. Uh, but it, it just seems a lot. It seems like mini camp is what it, what it seems <laughs> like to me. Uh, yeah. They're not running too many plays. Granted, they're not trying to show their hand at anything. Most of that stuff's going to be, you know, uh, game week where they start installing the, uh, the game plan for that week. And then they'll be running their, their different plays and stuff like that. Uh, but it, it just, it doesn't seem like they're getting ready for the season at this point. And that's a little weird for me. Uh, but again, I think they're, they're more focused on the scrimmage on Sunday is, has been the focus getting ready for that. Well, and then you can't really argue with the results. I mean, how usually about this time into the training camp, you know, our, our season's basically over. <laughs> um, so just the, the relative, you know, the, no major injury so far, knocking everything that's made of wood in your home. There's it's been a few minor so things. Far. There's right. been a few minor, mild things. Jalen Guyton, Tyrone Johnson are, are, you know, they're being put in bubble wrap right now and they're coming on slowly. Uh, Brian Bulaga had a small hand issue and they're giving veteran days off to, to different guys as well yeah. and limiting snaps. And they're doing all the things that they're supposed to do to, to help with the health of the team. Uh, but it's also giving opportunities for, Guys like Austin Prohl and KJ Hill were the only guys returning punts today uh, to, you know, shine. And it really helps Austin Prohl and in, in specifically because I think he's already at the top of the depth chart because he's not competing against Guyton or he's not competing against Tyrone Johnson. So it'll be something to monitor. I, I am expecting some hitting to start happening in the next week or two. It's got to start happening because – contact is is something that your body needs to get used to in my opinion yeah you got to loosen up the shoulders the body and just get used to taking just the the grueling beating which is the nfl season and i'm not saying we need to be doing oklahoma jills at this point of the season i'm saying like you know contact maybe not going down to the ground but definitely contact and getting your body ready for impact some first so, contact, yeah, play to first contact, but then, yeah, no finishing. But I, I would like to see some more, you know, popping of the pads. Yeah, so I do too because that's also the fun part about football, right? Yeah, that's why that's why we're fans. So on today's episode, we are going to be breaking down the Raiders' terrible roster. <laughs> and obviously it starts at the top with John Gruden. Yeah. What are your thoughts on John Gruden as a head coach again after yeah. he's been a head coach for three years, but after 10 years of spending time in the booth ESPN, yeah. you know, what, what is he got this team? <laughs> I already know the answer. Does he have this team in good position to be successful? Yeah, no, I, I think no. <laughs> I mean, and I go back and forth with it and is it's the question is John Gruden a good head coach. And I think the answer is no. I mean, I he does. So. I don't think he really is. He, he does have a positive winning percentage, but just barely. It's 50.9%. He's 114 coached, to 110 is his yeah, regular season record. He's pretty just, mediocre. That's I average. Mean, there, he does have five division titles. He has the Super Bowl victory as the Bucks head coach where he destroyed his current team, which, I mean, to this day, you know, watching the Raiders just get beat down by the coach they groomed, Absolutely hilarious to me. It's one of my more enjoyable Super Bowls that I've seen of my time. But you go back to his wins, 114 career wins. That's more than John Madden, Vince Lombardi, Bill Walsh, Jimmy Johnson, all Hall of Fame coaches. 
So I, I don't know. These are my thoughts on Gruden. I think he's a great football mind. He's obviously broadcaster for over 10 years. And I kind of want him to get out of coaching because I really miss the Gruden QB camps he used to do. Um, yeah, so that, those were fun. Those are fun. That's a selfish reason I think he should get out of coaching. But if we're being honest, I don't think he's a good coach because who goes in to their second coaching stint, identifies the best player on the team, and then trades them away for picks? Khalil he, Mack. You're talking yeah, about the Khalil Mack trade. Yeah, exactly. He got his second stint off to an absolute horrible trade. Start I think he was just trying to Mack. come in and trying to get draft picks, and he's like, I'm going to change his culture around. Sure. I'm going to build the team my way with my guys. But it's, you traded a a premium position player who's in the prime of his career my, yes. for who'd they get out of it? Henry Ruggs? Like, that, and that's my point. Back to, all right, if that's going to be your you have to game nail plan, it. you have to nail those picks. And then when you select Henry Ruggs over Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, come on, man. And, you know, actually, I don't think that specifically draft pick was it. I think it was Jonathan Abram. And I think it was Colton Miller is is the two two guys. And I think he got a third first round maybe or something yeah, like that. But um, he didn't – he hasn't hit on his first round draft picks. No, and has a lot of them too. So there's that. I don't think he's very good drafter. Oh, it was jo- Josh, uh, Josh uh, the running back. Um, Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is, is who it was. And Jacobs is a, a good running back. We're going to talk about him in a second. But is, are, are those three players combined worth Khalil Mack? Not even close, in my opinion. Um, so I, I think those are his biggest things. He's also very fiery. He's a brash guy. He doesn't really get along with all of his players. You know, players and get, and Gruden getting into heated confrontations is is not uncommon, and I think is really what set Mac off. Um, they weren't seeing eye to eye, and Gruden said, "All right, well, you're you're gone." So. I don't know. The Raiders I'm going to turn have... you into Jonathan Abrams and Josh Jacobs and Colton yeah. Miller. <laughs> Good luck with that. So with just one winning season in the last 18 years for the Raiders, I don't see Gruden being the guy to bump that trend, especially playing in the extremely competitive AFC West. It is an extremely competitive division. And, you know, you go back to the success he had with the Raiders early on and the success he had with the Buccaneers early on. He didn't build those teams. He was no. handed those teams, right? Yeah. Rich Gannon, he was – I don't know how Rich Gannon gets an MVP in the year <laughs> that he did, which is mind-boggling. But that team had Charles Woodson. That team had uh, Tim Brown. That team had a stacked offensive line. That team was built before he got there, and he just rode the wave until he was let go. The and then he goes – yeah, and then you go to the Buccaneers. Let's look at the Buccaneers defense right right now, right? And tell me, you, I could coach this team to a Super Bowl, right? Derek like Brooks, so. Rondé Barber, John Lynch, Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice. Like those, that as your core, just yeah. alone, right? It's just, it's incredible. It's incredible to inherit a team like that. It's even more incredible, in my opinion, that that defense was so strong that it could – it could carry an offense of Brad Johnson and, you know, Michael Pittman, who had 700 yards in their Super Bowl season, Keenan McCardell, which was a charger, but like they didn't have any stars other than Mike Allstott on that offense. They didn't have very much. That defense was so great that it literally just carried them to the Super Bowl and won 
pretty easily. Yeah. The Raiders were pretty competitive for parts of it. Uh, you're talking about Jerry Rice, Tim Brown on the same team against that defense, and it just wasn't enough. It was not enough. So is John Good- Gruden a good coach? It's hard to say. He has had some success, but he can't build the roster. Mike Mayock, who we expected to be kind of an interesting GM, Mm -hmm. he hasn't been able to build the roster out. And, in fact, they've blown up the entire roster from what they had. They had good pieces. They had a top-10 offensive line, and they blew it up. Maybe it was because they were having salary cap issues. Maybe it's just poor decision-making. I think that's what it is more than anything, poor decision-making. And when you think about who's making the decisions, the Las Vegas Raiders, you, you, yeah, you kind of gravitate towards it was just a bad decision. You gravitate toward it's the Raiders. <laughs> right. It's the Raiders. We're going to draft the fastest guy no matter what. Yeah. Let's get Henry Ruggs. Let's get Darius Hayward Bay in the first round. It's, it's the Raiders. It's the curse of Al Gore haunting the team after he, he passed years ago. It's it's the curse, and they are cursed forever is what it seems like. The Raiders' offensive coordinator is Greg Olson. To be honest, I did not know who Greg Olson was. When I saw Greg Olson, I'm like, what? They hired their, the tight end as a <laughs> offensive coordinator? But no, uh, apparently he has actually been in the, the NFL for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in since 2003. He's been an offensive coordinator for four different teams, the Detroit Lions, the St. Louis Rams, uh, the, it looks like the Oakland Raiders at for a stint, Jacksonville, and then uh, back to, to Las Vegas. So he's, he's been in that position for a long time, but you know, they, they run a, a run heavy offense in an NFL era where it's just not popular to do so anymore. I don't know much more about him. I know that he's, he's just got a lot of experience because he's been in the NFL for a long time, but yeah. let's how much success have the Jacksonville Jaguars had, you know, how much success did, you know, the, the Detroit lions have, right? Like his track record isn't all that impressive. The Rams. Yeah. They had a good run there for a while with, uh, with their running game and Steven Jackson when he was there. But ultimately, it's it's not a popular style of offense that he runs. And to be honest, it's it's just very bland and boring. Not that successful. Well, I mean, I was taking just a look at the numbers. And last year, in total offense, the Raiders finished 8th in the league. And they were 11th in total offense in 2019, which... I think it's pretty impressive because they were 23rd in 2018 before Olsen took over for a second stint. So the, I think that's honestly some pretty significant improvements since he has taken over. Without much on the offensive side of the ball in terms of skill position players, I think a big part of that is just a product of a really strong offensive line and the fact that you've had Josh Jacobs really running the ball hard. Plus, We'll get into Derek Carr, but I'm not that low on Derek Carr. I actually kind of like Derek Carr as a, an average game manager type of guy. He's He's been their best, their only good quarterback since Rich Gannon. That's, that's it. It's just been him and Rich Gannon. Carson Palmer failed in that offense, and he's <laughs> succeeded elsewhere. Yeah. To me, I was taking a look at their numbers. Over 6,000 offensive yards, 48 total touchdowns. The where they struggle is giveaways, 
26 giveaways last season, tied for fifth most in the league with a negative 11 turnover differential. Not a recipe for winning football. And, and Derek like, Carr does not turn the ball over that often. It's more than just no, Derek Carr. It, it, it's an offense thing, and I think it falls on Olsen's shoulder. And given his track record, I, I really think if he doesn't you know, limit those turnovers numbers, he's going to find himself without a job in the NFL within the next couple of years. Because like you said, he's just bland, vanilla kind of offense, nothing really impressive to write home about. In comparison, he's kind of like Anthony Lynn in, in the style of <laughs> offense that he kind of runs. Now, granted, Anthony Lynn's going to be a first-time offensive coordinator this year, and we'll see how he does with the Lions. Oh, my uh, gosh. But if anything, if I was to, like, say who is Anthony Lynn going to be in 15 years, I'm going to say it's going to be this guy. Like, that's they, – they, they're a run-heavy team. And it doesn't make sense to me when – Teams that have been doing it, other than the Titans, have not been very successful at it. Well, and then you're going to blow up your offensive line once you, you put a good one together. Which is something you have to have to have a strong running game. Yeah, moving on. Moving on, Gus Bradley. We're very, very familiar with Gus Bradley. We know his 4-3, cover 3, bland, boring, does not blitz. He's... <laughs> I'm so glad he's gone. <laughs> I'm so glad he stayed in the division. Like, of course, the Raiders got to see him two years, you know, two times a year for the last four years and decided he was good enough to take him on. Like, that, that is so funny to me and just so on brand with what the Raiders do. Like, you saw him be not very good in no, your division. He, yeah, that's, that is exciting. <laughs> Especially because he is with the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. But Gus Bradley has had success as a defensive coordinator, so much so that he's actually gotten head coaching opportunities. He just hasn't been able to get it together. Uh, he hasn't, it, and it's because when you play the Raiders next year, you know what coverage is going to be 90% of the time. You're no pre-snap because he's not going to show you anything different. He may have the line, the safety come into the box he may move that safety around quite a bit, but ultimately you know exactly what you're getting with Gus Bradley. They're going to protect the deep ball as much as that they can, and they're going to give up yards in the run game. They're going to bring four and only four about 90% of the time, and it's bland, boring, and the Raiders do not have the defensive personnel that the Chargers had in previous years to be no. able to even keep up with that. No, I, I just – don't understand you know his just refusal to change up his scheme just a little bit and I, I really think it, it just is a testament to you know his ability to think creatively or you know his lack of creativity because he doesn't really make any adjustments week to week he's definitely not making in-game adjustments and he's just much rather live or die by a system than just make a little tweak he'd rather he have runs his, a high school defense it, yeah he, he runs a high school defense. This is the NFL, right? Like you need to throw something out to confuse the offense. It's it's predicated on that. The, the NFL is too smart to allow you to do that. That's why Tom Brady has always erupted yeah. for 400 yards against the Chargers. Well, and it just seems like Bradley's just he's he's okay with having his star players out of position and putting them in vulnerable you know positions. Like I was so mad when Kenneth Murray is in one on one coverage with Tyreek Hill. Against the in that Chiefs game, but, and then Drew Tranquil did it the year before, right? 
very upset when that was happening in Los Angeles. Very, it's going to be very funny when the roles are reversed and we're the ones, you know. In, and they in, don't have the athletes on that side of the ball to be able to keep up. Absolutely. They don't not. have a Joey Bosa. They don't have a Derwin James. They have a Corey Littleton. And that's about it. We'll get more into their defense here in a bit. But ultimately, Gus Bradley, I don't think it's going to work out. If anything, it's going to be one of the next stepping stones to John Gruden losing his job. Yeah. In well, I, like three years or four years, whenever they feel like they financially can cut ties with that contract. I mean, the, all three of those guys, head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, all guys that I would not be surprised if they weren't in the league in the next two, three years. They, they are, they are, they need a good season, all three of them, or they're on their way out, I think. If this Just was kind of my feeling. If this was 2001, different story. Different story, because that's how the NFL was back then. But They're old you gotta school. you got to innovate to right. keep up with the changing times, and the Raiders are not going to be very innovative at all. Let's move on to quarterbacks. We, we already talked about Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr quite a bit. He's more than likely going to be their starter, but they also have a really good backup in Marcus Mariota. Uh, again, another player that I've liked since he was in college. And then we also know Nathan Peterman very well. <laughs> Nathan Peterman threw five interceptions in a single half and was pulled from the game. That was 2018, I believe. That's probably one of my favorite memories of Nathan Peterman. Yeah, I mean, my only memory of Nathan Peterman. So I guess my favorite <laughs> by default. So give me your thoughts on, on Derek Carr. Well, first... I was honestly a bit surprised to see that car had thrown for over 4,000 yards in each of the past three seasons. Um, but then I kind of just looked at their records that year, you know, trailing a lot of games. Uh, it's going to force you to throw the ball a lot. So a lot of yards, but I, I just don't really see his touchdown numbers really correlate with a 4,000. They don't. That's really right? interesting to me. Right. Usually you're going to throw for 4,000 yards. Those guys are throwing in the 30 to 35 touchdowns. Then you got Mahomes throwing for 45 um, Rogers going for 50, but Carr just had 27 last year. He had 21 in 2019 and then 19 in 2019. So he's, and he's only ever had one season throwing for 30 plus touchdowns. And that was back in 2015. So to me, I, I don't think Derek Carr is a top 10 quarterback in this league. I think he's middle of the pack. Um, and, and that's kind of what I expect from him this year, tons of yards, but I don't really expect that to translate to points. And I don't think it'll, I don't think he's capable of leading this team to anything more than like eight wins. I think ceiling for the Raiders is probably an eight win season. And I, I don't know. You that's show a me pretty Derek, high ceiling too, by the way. I think, I think that's generous. I, I think it's generous. The only reason I, and I think it's high because the Raiders just, they're always one of those teams that gets trying find scrap a couple wins together that they have no business being in, you know, the, every year they kind of, kind of find those wins. So I don't know. People love to throw Derek Carr in that top 10 QB discussion. I just don't think he's, he's just on the outside of that though. Like he's, he's not a top 10 quarterback, but he's always around that 13, 14 range. He's, he's not a bad quarterback in by any means. And that's where I'm, I'm at. I, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's great. He's, he's not going to win you games, but he's not going to take you out of them. Like, you know, no. Drew Locke last year. No, so one of the things that I, I kind of wanted to bring up is Derek Carr, you were talking about his his 4,000 yards each past three years, and, and just about every season he kind of sits 
with a few yeah. outliers. He kind of sits around that 4,000 mark. But again, the touchdown numbers just don't seem to tie, tie back. Uh, part of that is because once they get into the red zone, they're a run-heavy team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over more than 12 times a year, usually, which is decent. He's protecting the ball. Again, he's the only good quarterback that they've had since Rich Gannon back in 2002, something like that. Justin Herbert, season last year, he's never been able to emulate something similar to that, ever. No. So in Justin Herbert's rookie season, you can already say he's a better quarterback. Yeah, you can. You can you can look at it statistically. Derek Carr has been in the league since 2014. That's six, seven years of of years to just try and get anywhere close to the 4,300 yards, 31 touchdown season. And he's gotten 32 touchdowns in a single season. He's never had the yards, though. Mm -hmm. Most of his touchdown numbers are usually in the 20 to 25 range. So. He just hasn't been able to carry the team past its issues. Uh, it's not all his fault. He's had terrible coaching his entire career. But the other thing I look at is he you had Amari Cooper. You mm-hmm. had a star receiver. And as soon as Amari Cooper left, Amari Cooper blew up with Dak Prescott last year, year before last, right? So he's had some quality players there. But I, a lot of it's been around him. He hasn't had the skill position players, not, not an, uh, enough of them to – be able to do anything special with them he well, needs and a, then if he does it's for like a year rental not long enough to develop yeah, any type of rapport with no definitely not the the one thing he has had going for him is he's had protection in front of him basically yeah. his whole career that's about to change <laughs> i like marcus Mariota as well marcus Mariota played very well in the only game he started last season against the chargers he's probably one of the safest backups that you could possibly have uh, on your roster. He's a smart player. Mm-hmm. He's a very well-liked player. He's a team player. And his never had the passing yard numbers, but he's dynamic enough with his feet where you have to account for that because he is fast. Uh, he can get out in open space and pick up a 30, 40, 50-yard game. So I like Marcus Mariota as a backup uh, probably a lot more than than any other backup in the NFL for the most. Moving on to running backs, the Raiders have Josh Jacobs, who I expect to miss some time with a DUI at some point next season. Oh yeah, They I also have a really good backup and Kendrick Kenyon Drake. Uh, I don't think Kenyon Drake's going to be a full-time backup. I think it's going to be a 1B, 1A situation with Jacobs and Kenyon Drake. Mm-hmm. And then they have Jalen Richard, who's very good at catching passes out of backfield. And Bo Scarbaugh, who spent some time with the Chargers in previous seasons, will likely be a Band-Aid if they need one. He will make, might make the team as a replacement for Josh Jacobs for a, a couple games while he's suspended. Uh, that still hasn't happened yet, but the, the that that DUI suspension is definitely coming. The the NFL doesn't play around with those. What are your thoughts on on the Raiders running back room? Yeah. Um, first off, I really like Josh Jacobs, and there's honestly very few Raider players in history that that I could say that about. But I I really like Jacobs. I think it's such an awesome story. You know, going from living out of a car with his brothers and dad to now being one of the better young backs in the league. You know, I, I love those type of success stories. 
Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. And Jacobs is, is not just, you know, a feel-good story. The dude can play. Rushed for over 1,000 yards in both of his, in each of his two first two years in the league. Has 53 receptions for 404 yards. So it, it, a true dual threat back. Um, I, I thought it's interesting that you said the 1A, 1B situation because I, I think they obviously want to prioritize uh, Jacob's health moving forward. So I think that's really why they brought in Kenyon Drake, who's Definitely. extremely durable, has played a lot of snaps over the last couple of years and has played well, um, can impact the game and running the ball, catching the ball. And I, I like Jalen Richard as a backup. I don't think he's anything special, but running back is a very physical position. Injuries occur. Uh, you need at least three backs that could handle the rock for you. And um, yeah, I think the Raiders have a, a I think the running back position group is probably maybe not the most talented, like as a superstar talent, but I think the most depth, the depth the quality the, depth from one to two to three, yeah. there isn't any giant drop off until you get from two to three. And then, you know, Josh Jacobs, and Kenyon Drake, aren't the pass receiving backs that Jalen Richard has. So Richard's definitely going to be their third down third and, and 12 back. Who's going to be catching screens, and, you know, being that type of guy. Now, that isn't to say Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake can't catch passes out of the backfield because they will, especially on first and second down. But when you're prioritizing the health of your running back room, that's going to give Richard snaps. Now, it's, I, I doubt Richard has even 50 snaps next season as a uh, true running back, but he'll get those He'll make up for that in those third and long situations because I expect the Raiders to be in those a lot. Yep. <laughs> it is a good feel-good story with Josh Jacobs. 
I was a little surprised that he became an every down back based off how he's utilized at Alabama, but he's mm-hmm. good, man. He's really, really good. He's, he's a, a, a heavy runner uh, and he's got size to him. I mean, he's only 5'10", but he's 220 pounds. Yeah. You know, that's, that's Ladanian Tomlinson size. You know what I mean? Like small guy, but thick legs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then we, we all liked, <laughs> if you're a fantasy owner in 2019 of Kenyon Drake, and you had him at, in, in the championship game. He, he won you that game because he can break out. He's also kind of a big back. I think he's like 215, 220. Oh. And he's wasn't ever given a fair shake with the Dolphins. Finally got an opportunity. And he's got 1,000 yards last year. Uh, he was definitely on track for 1,000 yards during his time with the Cardinals. Uh, though he only played in like six or seven games with the Cardinals. Uh, I like Kenyon Drake. I think he. I think it's definitely a really good tandem for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the wide receiver room, Henry Ruggs, who was just a flop last year, Brian Edwards, John Brown, who has played kind of well late into his career, Hunter Renfro, Renfro who's one of my favorite players on their roster as well, uh, Zay Jones, who's just kind of a backup, and then they got a list of other uh udfa type players behind them uh what how are your feeling about the wide receiver room yeah i, I kind of like just the mix of the youth and then with the proven veterans um but i, I think if this unit's going to be any good they're going to need the top two guys to step up and henry ruggs and brian edwards i think are their easily their number one and number two options up there both kind of struggled as rookies for different reasons um, but, you know, that was the case for the majority of rookies last season. You know, a couple exceptions. You know, we have one of them named Justin Herbert. But for the most part, rookies struggled. Um, I, I think with another a regular offseason, some preseason games, I, I think they're going to come along. And behind those guys, I really like John Brown. I, I think, you know, l- losing Nelson Aguilar in this offense, he was a big part of this offense, I think. John Brown is a pretty good replacement, um, just number wise, talent wise. I think he'll be a good fit if they're going to use him at, you know, and that as in like they used Aguilar. Uh, they also brought in Willie Sneed, I think, add some veteran leadership, nice depth piece. But then I think, you know, you kind of have to see where Hunter Renfro fits into the scenario, who is definitely easily their most consistent receiver the last couple of seasons. For uh, sure. I, and I think- he's been, he's been a really, nice sight for them because I mean, yeah. each of the past two seasons, he's had like 700 yards. Uh, he's their number one punt returner. He has been mm-hmm. for a few years. Hunter Renfo can play. Yeah, He can play really, really well. And he's, he's kind of sneaky and he's not, he's not demanding enough to, you know, double team or do anything like that, but he plays very well from the slot. He runs after the catch mm-hmm. to me. He's kind of their wide receiver one, because I don't see Henry Ruggs, success from last season nor brian edwards who i loved through the draft process last year he is their best wide receiver today right now in terms of production in terms of targets in terms of run after the catch he's he's their best receiver he's not going to be their wide receiver one they're going to to force feed henry ruggs into that role because they need him to be that and Brian Edwards is their ex receiver. He's their outside guy. He's their jump ball threat. But I expect Renfro to get the targets. Well, I think they're in a pretty interesting, you know, 
situation too, because I think on paper, you look at the depth chart, he's probably right now number four. But like you said, he could fill in for any of those guys if they have to go down, if they do go down, which is what you want. Uh, A fringe guy, depth guy who, if any one of your top three options go down, he could easily take care of, you know, that workload. For sure. Their tight end room is is actually pretty strong as well. They have, mm-hmm. in my opinion, the second best tight end in the NFL with Darren Everyone's Waller. Second best. I think so. I think so. I put Kelsey in front of him because Kelsey just had the craziest tight end statistic season. Yeah, Statistically, yeah. he's he had the best season of any tight end in the history of the NFL last year. I can't put Waller in front of that, but Waller is the best receiver at that tight end position, maybe not the blocker that maybe Kittle is, mm-hmm. but he is, he's very, very good. Very, very good. He He's a receiver in a tight end's body. It's, it's amazing yeah. to see him do the things that he can do. Well, in I, my opinion, I, he's the second best. He's a former wideout too. I'm pretty sure. I think he transitioned in that role for sure. I think he played, if I remember correctly, I think he played for the Titans practice squad and then he came over and just blew it up. Like how, like, where did this guy come from? He was an undrafted bounce around player for a few years who just, I don't know, he just got it together. It's weird yeah. how he was able to do that. His rise, you know, from just mediocre to, you know, superstar is really crazy. Um, yeah, he paced all tight ends last year with 107 receptions, 10th overall in receiving yards, and that includes receivers. So regardless of position, he's one of the most lethal pass catching options in the league. Also, I heard probably scary thought the speedy six, six tight ends working on his blocking probably his biggest, his biggest weakness coming into the year. So if he could, you know, add that facet to his game. Yeah. He's easily taking over George Kittle's spot sooner rather than later as the tight end. Too. Yeah. He's Y'all definitely see he has some in that trio for sure. Oh, I, yeah. I don't think there's a huge gap from Kittle to him. I think one of the things with Kittle is that he Kittle has that blocking ability. He has that personality that that yeah. fans love mm-hmm. and that, that really brings a draw to him where, you know, I barely hear Waller ever talk in any to- side, sort of interviews or anything like that. And, you know, he plays on a really bad team, at least Kittle, yeah. good enough team to get to the Super Bowl. But Waller is, he's a better pass catcher than, and route runner. He, I mean, he's a receiver. He's, he's a not receiver. a tight end. He's a receiver. Yeah. And then they also have Foster Moreau. They let mm-hmm. go of old man Witten. Uh, that yeah. was a smart move by them. And then they also have Derek Carrier. Uh, it's a decently good depth at the tight end position. And based off of their scheme on that offense, they run a, the ball a lot. They, they have to have those tight ends because they do come out in two tight end sets pretty often. Moving over to the offensive line, this is where things really get kind of head-scratching to me, right? So last year, their starting offensive line was Colton Miller, Richie Incognito, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, and Trent Brown. They let go of the entire middle right side of their offensive line in free agency or just in trades, and they replaced Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, and Trent Brown, who all are really top offensive linemen at their position. And they replaced them with Andre James, who honestly, I have no idea who that is. (laughs) Denzel Good, who had a decent time with the Buffalo Bills last season, 
and then they drafted Alex Leatherwood. Uh, I'm not very high on their offensive line. I think it's now a weakness. I think it's one of the lowest in, in the NFL. I know you're high on Colton Miller. Uh, again, Colton Miller hasn't had any dominant season. He played well last year. He developed a lot from last season to, to the season before. Uh, but I just I don't see him as a top 10 tackle. He has that ability to be that, but he's just not – He's not the blindside blocker that you would want him to be. He was also, if I believe, uh, John Gruden's first draft pick as a head coach. Uh, Richie Incognito, he's an old guy. He's a very, very old guy. He was a very dominant guard in the NFL for a long time. I know he's 10. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in for a long time. But then you look at like the issues he's had. I know. Uh, there was the whole hazing incident when he was with the Dolphins, I believe. Yeah. I, was it Juwan James or John James? Jonathan Martin or something. Jonathan Martin, something like that. So he's got he's got issues, and that creates uh, that creates you know tension inside. But maybe those are behind him. Again, he's an older player; he's not so young and stupid. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's still pretty stupid and got too many hits to the head. I I don't really know. <laughs> Denzel Good is a, a average to above average guard he is the one player that they did sign that I did kind of like that they they brought in uh Denzel Good was that player that I actually wanted to bring into the Chargers and then Leather Alex Leatherwood I believe is extremely physical uh playing with Alabama I think he's not technically sound I know he's had some injury issues in the past Uh, he was drafted way earlier than he should have been but you know if there's one player in this draft that I think could play up to his draft position, I think Alex Leatherwood can. I'm just not super high on where he was taken based off of other players that were on the board. Give me your thoughts on the offensive line. Yeah. I think if you just go down the list player or position by position, you know, every single player has a question mark. I really like Colton Miller. He, he had an 81.3 pass blocking grade from PFF last season significant upgrade from his first two seasons in the league. That was his only good year. He was fixing to be a bust before that. You know? And he just signed a contract making him like the sixth or seventh highest. Yeah. So then there's also some added pressure to yeah, perform to his deal. Richie Incognito, I mean, is just ancient. He's coming off another injury. And now he's 38 years old. Old, dude. And now for an offensive lineman, which that position takes a lot of injuries, right? Yeah. Like and this is your guy who's supposed to be, you know, your anchor to this unit. That that's a little concerning. They had one of the best centers in the league. Now they had you, the best center in the league. Let's let's be real here. Rodney Hudson, he is he is what you want in a center. He's big. He's got that big belly. He's a people mover. He's a <laughs> he's probably one of the strongest run blockers in the NFL. He's he was a really good player. All right. Well, then, it, then it's safe to say then Andre James, undrafted free agent with just one career start to his name. I, I was trying to look some tape up on him. Couldn't find a whole lot. All I will be able to say with confidence is that he's not going to be anything near the player that Rodney Hudson is. Denzel Good was good last year, but he w- he's been a career backup up to this point for a reason. I think he's about average. And then Leatherwood, 17, I think. I, I don't think it's a surprise that that was a little bit of a reach for him. I think this as a unit, they're going to struggle. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of new pieces. We've talked about that 
that just cohesiveness, you know, familiarity on the offensive line is so important. So I think they're going to struggle. Um, PFF. I think they're going to be a bottom tier offensive line. They're going to rank 30, 31, 32, somewhere in that range. PFF has them at 26th is their prediction. I, I think that's, that's too high. I think that's high. That means eight, seven other teams are worse. I, I think they'll be at least have one of the five worst lines in the league. It's kind of what I'm thinking. The one player that they did sign that I haven't talked about, Nick Martin. Nick Martin was the starting center for the Texans. I think Nick Martin has just had terrible guards next to him his whole career. Coming from Notre Dame, he was really, really good. And he's even graded out as a pretty decent center. But again, like center, you you need help from the guys around you. You can't do it all yourself. You know, he's athletic. He may or may not be their starter on on week one, especially because he's got experience there. Uh, There is an opportunity for him. Uh, to play a little bit better with incognito and good next to him than he has with, I don't know who the Texans guards have been. I know the Texans have had a, a, a terrible offensive line for a long time. Well, they're turning um, into the Texas Raiders. They are. They're, Boy, they're the two morphing into a, a oh, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. And then they have a bunch of other unknowns behind them for depth on the offensive line. Any final words on, really what could be like a terrible situation for them. No, I think we said it. It's they're going to be in for a rough year. You had a great one and now you're going to have one of the worst lines and yeah, you're going to, yeah, they're going to struggle. I don't know what else to say about it. All right. So let's move to edge. Uh, This is a position where they they did get a little bit better than they have in, in previous seasons, especially with the development of some young players a Clellan Farrell was a fourth overall pick just two seasons ago. I know he spent his first season kind of injured, and and last year he had a couple sacks, but he, he just hasn't lived up to expectations. Uh, he really needs a, a big year to really step into that role, or he's, I mean, he's really towing the line on bust. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe has been awesome every single season. He's averaging like eight sacks a year. I know he's familiar with Gus Bradley. I know he does not like Gus Bradley. <laughs> I'm sure he wasn't expecting uh, Gus Bradley to become their uh, defensive coordinator when he did. Uh, that's going to be something interesting to monitor. Uh, Max Crosby, who I think should be their starter. Uh, Max Crosby is really good. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's really, really good. He's not a super speedy edge rusher, but he is kind of that power rusher that, you know, can help collapse the pocket and, and help prevent uh, athletic quarterbacks from getting outside the pocket. Uh, I like Max Crosby quite a bit, uh, maybe not as a full-time starter, but as a really good quality backup. I just think he's better than Cleland Farrell at this point in time. So though Farrell is more athletic. And then they also have Malcolm Kuntz and Carl Nassib. Uh, Carl Nassib's the only openly gay player since the other guy that from Missouri. Michael Sam. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that that matters. If you can play football, you can play football, whatever you do when you're not playing football. Yeah. Just don't, don't put his locker next to incognito. (laughs) Oh my, (laughs) that's a joke right there. How did I not come up with that one, man? (laughs) Uh, they they have a decent room, but they lack a real true superstar. 
to that unit. And Yannick Ngakwe is the closest thing to that. Yeah. I think he's an, a, an above average starter for them. Uh, but again, I'm not expecting Ngakwe to get 15 to 20 sacks anytime soon or have anywhere near the production Bosa's had. No. Well, and the Raiders have, have struggled you know, to generate consistent pressure on the quarterback for years. And I, I will admit, I think they got a lot more better talents-wise on the edge. But with Bradley taking over, which we already mentioned, that means no blitzing. That means all no. of the all of the pressure on generating pressure on the quarterback is going to come from these edge rushers in the defensive line. So uh, even with this added talent, I just don't see it being an, a very good group. Now, I really like Yannick Ngakwe, only 26 years old. Has some room to improve, I think, against the run, but it's very clear he's a phenomenal pass rusher. He's eight sacks at least in every yeah, season. At least every season, yeah. That, that's impressive. Then Max Crosby, I really like. He's racked up some good numbers too: seventeen sacks, thirty tackles for loss in two years. So they yes. they've shown they've had ten-digit sacks years. They both can do it. Um, you know, Clem Farrell, questionable draft pick. Not the definitely pass questionable with where he was picked, right? Fourth right. Overall. Yeah, not the pass rusher Yannick or Crosby are, but I do think he's the best run stop and defensive end that they have. And then I think Kuntz and Nasiba are solid depth pieces. I think their edge presence is much better talent wise, but they're going to struggle just because of the system. Oh, for sure. And you know, if you look at what Gus Bradley has had as as edge rushers going back to his time with. Uh, Jacksonville, they they've been better than this unit. Uh, but he doesn't have a, a he doesn't have an Ingram Bosa. He doesn't have no. the you know the pass yeah. rushers that they had there, which was in Gawkwe, Which okay, he technically has one. <laughs> he has the one guy that he used to he have. has that one guy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then you look at it like they, this defense doesn't have anywhere near the talent no. that Bradley's had, even going back to Seattle, uh, the Seattle, right? Like. Yeah. Well, he's always had phenomenal players, and he's going to struggle next year. He, he's had rotations, so multiple, like four guys that can do it. He he has Yannick now, and some maybe some guys that could maybe Crosby, maybe he's Crosby. Got, he's got young developmental pieces. He I doesn't he have can, any superstars at all on his defense. No, None, not I, a single one. I do like Crosby. I, I think he's going to get figured out though, just because he doesn't have that speed. I, I think. Teams are going to figure out his power move. He's going to go inside, and I think they're going to figure him out. I'm just That's waiting just kind of for somebody to scream into his ear, 90-yard touchdown! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was that player, but all right. Yeah, that no, was him. That was him. All right, uh, their interior defensive line, Quentin Jefferson, Jonathan Hankins, uh, Solomon Thomas, uh, Gerald McCoy, which he just signed with them again. Oh. Super talented player, super old. Yeah. Uh, Darius Phylon, who we're familiar with, and Darius Stills. Uh, yeah. There was a time where Jonathan Hankins was a phenomenal run-stopping defensive tackle. He was he was amazing, but since he joined the Raiders, he's just been very average. Uh, he's not plugging any massive running lanes. Uh, Quentin Jefferson has played up to his potential, I think. Uh, but again, you know, they're they're lacking a superstar on the defensive line. Uh, it could be a better than anticipated group. I know Solomon Thomas was like a super early first round draft pick by the 49ers like four or five seasons ago. 
Again, another player who just hasn't played up to his potential. Uh, Gerald McCoy, I think, is going to be the veteran of that group, and I think he can help develop you know, some of the younger players that they have there. But I, just, I don't see this defensive line. I think that it's going to be very average at best. That's, that's fair. Um, it's funny. As, like as a ceiling and as a floor, I think that they're just going to be kind of right in that middle no matter what. Yeah, I think that's fair. Just because looking at the guys that they have, I do kind of like Hankins, but looking at his stats, they don't really tell the full story. Just one sack, 48 total tackles last year. I could see how you, you come to the conclusion that he's average. But I think he's kind of similar to like the Linville Joseph. I do think he's pretty good at stuff in run lanes and taking on double teams and doing the dirty yeah, work. Yeah, I do. I totally think that he still has that ability. It's his inability to generate a pass rush. That oh, yeah, he's not going to do that. Well, and he's up there in age. He, he can't do that really. No, he I can't. Think, I think, you know, that's where you're going to lean on Quentin Jefferson, who in my opinion is just entering his prime. So right. if he can become an elite player, I think it only time will tell. Um, and then, you know, I, I think the Solomon time Thomas signing was a really good signing for him, a highly coveted talent coming out. Sure. Of, yeah. Well, and it's just one of those, you know, low risk, high reward signings. If it pans out, he, if he was, if he's anything close to what we thought he was coming out of Stanford, that's a really good pickup for him. But what have we been saying all day? It's the Raiders. Yeah. It's the Raiders. This is where your career it's goes. to work. <laughs> yep, sorry, Solomon Thomas. Uh, going over the linebackers, there was a time where Corey Lindleton was very – he was one of the best linebackers in, in 2019 before he signed with the Raiders. He super, super athletic, racking up massive numbers of tackles with the Rams. And then he comes to the Raiders and that he he's cursed. I mean, he had a really, really down year last year. Uh, going from one of the league leaders in tackles to just what, like 80? 80-something, uh, yeah. 80-something, 56. He had 56 solo tackles. I think he had <laughs> – like that's such a low statistic for, for him who – I think he had over 130 in 2019. My computer is not loading this page, so I'm having trouble pulling it up. He's just had a, a down year, super athletic. Uh, he's going to be their green dot guy with the, on the helmet. He's going to be calling the plays. He's he, I think he is their best player on their defense today uh, mm-hmm. without a doubt. But then again, you look at him like he's not going to be rushing at all. He had no sacks last season. Nope. Zero. I want to say four tackles for loss, four tackles for loss. And it's all scheme. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the Raiders defensive coordinator last year was, but that's not getting better. <laughs> Not no, under and, Gus Bradley. Well, and the money they spent on him, too. They ch- cashed out some serious cash for him and then also his running mate, Nick Kwiatkowski. And this combined for 163 tackles, seven tackles for loss, just one sack between your two, you know, highly coveted free agent signings. That That's not that's not what you pay big free agents to do. That's really just lackluster production both they players all- come from really really good teams the mm-hmm. bears were really good defensively at least they, they they had a good unit the Rams had a good unit and then you go and play in this bland defense and this is what you get yep well like you said just like you said right before we got into linebackers this is where you go this is where players go for their careers to just get derailed and just retire so we'll see that they, they really need some 
big those guys to step up because I want to say they're in like year two of a multi-year contract. I think they're coming back for some multiple seasons after this too. Yeah, I think Corey Littleton signed a four-year contract, so he's stuck there for a while. Uh, Kwiatowski, I think he signed a three-year contract, so they're they're going to be there for a little while. Uh, They also have Nicholas Morrow, which I I recognize the name. I I don't know who he is. I, you know, I I can't really tell you too much about him. Uh, Tanner Muse. And interestingly enough, Jonathan Abram is listed on the ESPN depth chart as their Sam linebacker. We'll see how that plays out. That's interesting because what I was reading was their draft pick, Divine Diablo, the safety out of Virginia Tech. I heard that the Raiders' plan for him was to use him as a linebacker. I was finding him as a Sam linebacker on the CBS depth chart. But um, that's what I heard. But Diablo is now hasn't played anything in, in training camp. He's on the physically unable to perform list. So whether or not that's their plan for him, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But that's at least what I was reading. You know, and that doesn't make sense for Gus Bradley. Like Gus Bradley likes to move safeties and play in the box, but he's not moving them to linebacker. I mean, you look at, at Kaiser White, uh, they drafted Kaiser White to play linebacker. So it's not like they're drafting safeties uh, and and then deciding in camp to make that move. That's not a Gus Bradley type of move. He would have drafted that player to play that position. They knew, would have known ahead of time if they were going to do that or not. Uh, I don't I don't really know what their plan is at linebacker there. Um, I think that they're just going to run with Nicholas Morrow, uh, Nick Kwiatowski, and Corey Littleton, and nobody else is going to receive much playing time. They're going to be a nickel most of their, their time anyway, so – well, yeah, and, and just thinking of well, and Morrow just resigned this year, so just the money that you have invested in those three guys, you have to have play snaps. They, they just have to. And how often do more than four lineback do four linebackers play in Gus Bradley's defense? Anyways, I know yeah. technically it's a four three on paper, but it's it's a four two five. Over at cornerback, we have Casey Hayward Jr., Trayvon Mullen, Damon Arnett, Razul. Douglas, and then let's just lump in the safety room and just do the whole defensive backfield. Uh, They also have Jonathan Abram and Trayvon Moore, who they just drafted. Uh, Carl Joseph, who was a high draft pick for them uh, just like two or three seasons ago. Tyree Gillisbley, Divine Diablo. I'm not really too impressed with the uh, secondary. I I still like Casey Hayward. I still think he's got something left in the tank. Uh, I just think that he's had some injury issues last year. He's struggled in the deep part of the field uh, just as he's getting older. Uh, Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett are, are somewhat high draft picks. I, I think that they could outplay expectations, but I, I don't see them anywhere near the talent that the Chargers have had in the, the cornerback room for the last couple of seasons. I, I don't know who's going to play in the slot. That's an important position, Gus Bradley's defense. And uh, those are my thoughts on the cornerbacks. Uh, the safety room, Jonathan Abram was one of the worst safeties in the NFL last season. Okay. Uh, and Trayvon Morig, I think, is going to be playing an out of position as the free safety. I think he plays better as the strong safety. That's what he did at TCU. So we'll need to see how that plays out. I'm, I'm, I'm really low on the cornerback room outside of Casey Hayward Jr. Uh, I, I definitely think the cornerback room is their worst their worst position group and especially playing in the AFC West and 
playing it going up against the other high powered offenses that they have on the schedule. I, I think this cornerback room for the Raiders is going to get exposed early and often this season. For um, sure. It's definitely going to be something to monitor and Herbert should be going for 350, 400 plus. I think that should be the goal for everybody, you know, <laughs> coming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you said that you don't think Jay or Abram is a very good safety because I keep hearing that fans are super high on him and I just don't get it because he's a strong safety who for one can't tackle and for two can't cover. Like, so I, you can't do any of your responsibilities no, as a defensive back. I think if you lack talent at one area, you have to really excel at the other one to make up for it. You can't suck at both. He's missed 15 tackles in two years and allowed a completion percentage of 81.8%. And last he season. didn't play very much as a rookie because no. he was injured. So yeah. Yeah. Worse than mediocre. That, that is objectively really bad numbers. Um, I, I do think at the safety position, as opposed to the cornerback room, much better depth. Carl Joseph, his test drive in Cleveland, that's over. But he's a proven player. I think he could fill in at either safety position. And then rookie Tyrese Galepsi, I think, I'm hearing is supposedly pushing Abram. And if you're a, a, a Raider fan, you should probably be rooting for that to happen sooner rather than later because I don't think Abram's a good football player. No, uh, I, I think I think he has some talent, but he's just – He's just—he was bad. He was very, very bad last year. I think he was PSF's worst-ranked safety, starting safety in the NFL last season. He kind of played a little bit dirty as well. I know those were, were some comments that uh, different players have been talking about. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to be throwing for massive amounts of yards. Every team is against uh, Trayvon Mullen, Damon Arnett, Jonathan Abram. I think Trayvon Morgs a decent player, but I think he's going to be playing out of position. Plus Gus Bradley free safeties are not. They get exposed. You're not Earl Thomas. You're going to get exposed. He's going to be playing center field all by himself. And I do think he, I do think he has the natural athletic ability that you would want, but again, you're not Earl Thomas. So it's, you're not going to be able to replicate what Gus Bradley's going to ask. Not as a rookie, not as a rookie. So that uh, sums up that part of the, Team, let's go over to Daniel Carson, AJ Cole. Uh, Daniel Carson, I know he's been their kicker for a few years. He's he's not anything super special. Uh, AJ Cole, to be honest, I don't know who he is. The punt returner is definitely going to be Hunter Renfro. Yeah. I think if the Raiders are smart, they take Henry Ruggs and they put him as their kick returner because speed to that unit is super important, even if he's your starter. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. So any closing remarks on the roster? No, I think we summed it up. The Raiders are the Raiders. If you're a Raider fan, don't get your expectations up too high because put them down low. You're you're in for another losing season. Um, The only team I think is worse is the Texans. Really? Yeah. And that's because the Texans are just a mess of a franchise right now. Terrible. That's fair. Tough spot. There, there's no way there's no way they do very well. Just looking at their talent, looking at the teams they have to play. They have a tough schedule. They play in one of the best divisions in football. What is your thoughts on their record? I feel like there should be root. Like everything goes right for them. They're going to finish eight and nine. I, I feel like they're more like of a six win team right now. It's kind of just the makeup. The I'm going to say four staff. and 13. You're That's way low. Prediction. 
I'm, I'm really trying, low on them. I'm right trying now. to be a little high on them to jinx them to just. I, I would love to see them be the first 0 and 17 team. They're kind of my front runner for that. Texans <laughs> might push them, but I, I, I am very low on them. I think the biggest hit's going to be our offensive line for yeah. a run-based team not having an offensive line. Derek Carr never seeing pressure in his face the way he's going to see it next year. Offensively, I think they're going to struggle a lot. Defensively. I think that they have some pieces there to be a little more successful. I don't think that they're going to be a bottom tier defense. I'm concerned about their secondary. Uh, Casey Hayward's going to get yards up over the top. I think Casey Hayward is very twitchy. And he, I, if anything, I kind of like the idea of moving Casey Hayward to the slot. Yeah. Kind of take that pressure off of him. I don't think that they'll do it. I was saying they, they won't do it, but just looking at the skill set there, I, I think Arnett would be better on the outside just with, just as youth and explosiveness. Right. Also, Amik Robertson and Nevin Lawson, I don't think are very good slot corners. So those are kind of your lead runner right now for the nickelback. I'd much rather have Hayward there if I was a Raiders fan. I, I, I do like the idea of moving Casey Hayward to the slot. That's where he played early in his career with the Packers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that sums up our Raiders chat. Uh, we have summed up the entire AFC West. I think next week we're going to start talking more in depth about how camp battles have been going. We'll talk about fan fest for sure. The scrimmage. Uh, I'm hoping there'll be some tape for us to break down. That'd be some, some fun content as well. And then we're getting to our preseason game. So we'll talk about the Rams at some point next week as well. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you guys. Thank you, Zach. And we'll talk to you guys later. (laughs) 